This is the Marked Podcast from Life by Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Heineman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how he has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We are so glad you've joined us today. We are so glad you joined us today on the Barked Podcast. Um, I'm really pumped to be back with this new season and just um, a lot of fun guests coming up. Um, but I'm really excited about today's guest. And so often, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm typically on the phone with somebody. And so today I'm sitting right across the table from Louis Giglio. And um, he's here at Lifeway today. And so we're just going to visit for the next little bit. But Louis, I'm so glad that we could talk today. So great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I I know that some of you are probably familiar with who he is. Um, but right now, like I think most people would you most of you would know him from either a passion conference or passion city church and just what the Lord is doing in and through them. But Louis, tell us just a little bit about you and who you are just as Louis Giglio. Yeah, I'm a guy, you know, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, college life for me was sort of a 50 50. I was trying to live in both worlds. And finally, God got a hold of my heart planted a seed in my life to proclaim his story to the world. I knew mm-hmm. right then and there as a sophomore at Georgia State University, that was going to be my life. Yeah. And I've been trying to follow God and do that all these days. That led me to Texas for a while. Passion Conferences was God's idea, but it's 21 years later. We're mm-hmm. still gathering college students, 18 to 25-year-olds, yeah. in events all around the world. And since uh, 19... Uh, well, let's go back nine years, whenever that was. Uh, nine years ago, we planted a local church in Atlanta out yeah. of the Passion Movement called Passion City. So I'm a local church guy. I love being a pastor, mm-hmm. and um, I love sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in whatever format that I can. I love being on this marked podcast with you today. I feel a little bit outnumbered by all the ladies out there. My wife is in the building. I kind of might need her right <laughs> next know, to me I right know. now, but um, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, you know, and as you have worked with, you know, college students, young adults, you know, from since you were a college student, really, how have you watched just the landscape of ministry change to them and with them? Like, what does that look like now as opposed to 20 years ago? Or how, what have you, what are some of the shifts that you've seen take place? You know, that's such a great question. It's a, it would take a long time to unpack a lot of the layers of that. But I think, A, uh, 18 to 25-year-olds were hungry for something real. Yeah. When we started doing a Bible study at Baylor University in 1983, 4, 5, somewhere along in there, and they're hungry now. And I think that's the difference. Uh, that's, that's the similarity, if yeah. you will, between then and now. Uh, we, we just did an event called Passion 2018. Mm-hmm. There are about 40,000 college students, 18 to 25-year-olds from there. I, if I rewind back to our first event in 1997 in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, there were 2,000 students there. Very yeah. first Passion. And if you took a photograph, a photograph, a real photograph, like with film, I know that's crazy. (laughs) And you took the negatives from those two pictures from 97 to 2018. Mm -hmm. And you put the negatives on top of each other and you shined a light through them onto the wall. You would almost see the exact same event. Mm. The only thing that's radically changed is the fashion, Mm -hmm. the hairstyles (laughs) and the music. Yeah. Because there was no Hillsong, there was really mm-hmm. no passion worship, there was none of that back in 1997. Yeah. But the heart of it, the, the message of it, the, it's not about you, it's all about God and his glory. And the best thing you can do is mm-hmm. make your life count for what counts most. All that's the same. Yeah. Uh, Piper still in his same sport coat, you know, from 1997 <laughs> yes. to 
to to up to now or yeah. whether it was Beth Moore or some of these voices have been anchor voices. And yeah. I think back then people wanted a faith that was real. And mm-hmm. I think now people want a faith that's real. And that's the common thread. And maybe culture's changed a lot, uh, but I think the heart of the generation has stayed the same. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's so interesting that just the those things, those big foundational pieces are still the same. And, um, and I think for some of us, as we, for me, I still consider myself a young adult some days, but I just turned 34 last week. And so sometimes I'm like, I think I'm at, I'm at the top of the chart for a young adult. I'm at the, the top edge. But, um, but when I think about the younger women in my life and just the way that the Lord has allowed me to, to minister to and alongside them, it really, their felt, their needs are the same, the same needs that I felt, you know, at that age and, and all of that. And so it does change over time, but I think that should help break down any barrier. If you are sitting here today listening and thinking, you know, that you don't have what it takes, or maybe you don't know how to relate to somebody who's in, you know, 18 to 25, somewhere in there that like, the basic things are all still the same. Yeah. And, and, you know, relating and being relevant, I think, have gotten blown out of proportion. Yeah. You know, I want to be relevant to the next generation. I think trying to be relevant means you're probably never going to be relevant. <laughs> but being authentic means you'll always be relevant. Yeah. And I have a mentor in my life who's 80 years old. Mm-hmm. And we became friends when I was um, around 26, 7, 8 years old. And yeah. we've been friends ever since. Close friends. And every time I'm around him, there are young couples, 28, nine-year-old couples, 25-year-old couples, just got married all the time, just always with him. Yeah. Always this sort of whole host of young people who are magnetized to this guy Mm -hmm. who's 80. And he's not the hippest, coolest guy, but he is hip and cool for an 80-year-old. And he's super, super relevant Mm -hmm. because he's authentic. Yeah. And what I'm learning now, um, long story short, I, I come right back, but Charles Stanley was my pastor growing up. Mm-hmm. He's 85. Yeah. And he's still ticking and rolling and <laughs> preaching and writing books. Yeah. And he just did a nine city tour of Barnes and Noble book signings for Gosh. his last book release. Wow. It's hard to do a Barnes and Noble book signing. Mm. And you got to be somebody to have people show up at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm not going to ever do a Barnes and Noble right. book signing. <laughs> he did nine cities. They figured out how long you wanted to sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how long they they only let the line be so long at Barnes and Noble. Fifteen hundreds they're cut off, I think. Wow. And he figured out he wanted to be there three hours, how many books he could sign in three hours. They decided how many people could be in line. Nine cities. They maxed out the line. Mm. Three hours worth of people, hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people wanting to get books signed. Yeah. And his staff said to me, they said it's okay if I share this. We were freaked out that it went from being your average book buyer who's going to come to Barnes & Noble, a 46- or 8-year-old woman, mom. All of a sudden, there were Mm 25-year-old guys in the line, 26-year-old guys in the line, 22-year-old guys in the line. Mm -hmm. And they said, why would a 22-year-old guy come stand in line at Barnes & Noble to get a book signed by an 85-year-old pastor? Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because they're not looking to fathers anymore. Right. This generation's looking for the grandfathers. Yes. Like, show me somebody that's 85 and yes. still going. Somebody mm-hmm. that's 80 and still in it. Somebody oh, that's yeah. 82 years old and still loves God mm-hmm. and has made it that far. And so the, the young generation's looking for authentic people 
not the coolest hippest. And when I was a young communicator uh, in my 30s, I would go to these youth events and try to throw in all these band re- references and <laughs> quote Taylor Swift lyrics like yeah. she wasn't around back then mm-hmm. or whoever and say, hey, man, kids, I'm I'm down with everything. Mm-hmm. They're looking at me like, no, you're not. Right. We like you're, we can look and 35 see. 35 <laughs> years old. You don't yeah. know anything about anything. Right. So eventually you give up on all that. You may drop something in occasionally. But for me, people know I'm almost 60 years old. Mm-hmm. They're not expecting me. To, to know what's up with Cardi B. Yeah. And to drop some of her lyrics into one of my talks. Exactly. If I did, it just kind of, they'd go, hmm, weird, interesting. <laughs> um, How did you know that? Yeah. But what they want to know is, do you still love God? Yeah. Do you still love the word of God? Mm-hmm. Are you still in this thing? Yeah. Because of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's so good. My mom called me last week and she was on her way to a nursing home, our retirement home near where she lives to give the devotional. One of her 97 year old friends asked her to come. And I said, you know, she said, what would you tell him? Like if you could say something, she was like, this is sort of intimidating. She said, because that woman for her is a hero of the faith that she loves and has, you know, spent so much time with throughout her life. I said, just remind them that they're not done yet. You know, wow. that, that they still have life and breath and has something to offer. And that I'm I'm the type of woman at this age that I'm like, I want I want to hear that. I need right. to hear that. And um, to look at those women and say, what? Tell me. Tell me your story. You know, I think for some of us just to to trim it down enough to go like that's that's a starting point is just say, hey, here's here's my story. Here's where I've been. And, um, you know, and I love that that those people, um, so many of them are still willing to have those conversations and this, to take the time to spend the time and to, to offer that up. And it's huge. Amazing. It's huge. It's good advice. Yeah. And oh, I just try to think I'm like, <laughs> I might start calling you on sometimes before the weekend anytime. to see what. Yes. What do you think I should be preaching on? <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, just give me a shout. No problem. But um, but it just was it was neat to see that. And she took her 96 and 97-year-old friends to lunch afterwards, a little tea room. And, you know, it's just cool to see what God does and how he uses our stories to to impact the lives of other people generations later. And, um, and I know for you, you know, part of your story that you've been so open to share, which I'm so thankful for is a struggle with anxiety. And, you know, your book Goliath must fall has just, as I've been reading it, I just keep going, Oh boy. Like it's almost like, I remember when somebody asked me if I wanted to do Beth Moore's breaking free Bible study when I was in college, I was like, sure, like, sure, I'll do that. Like, I don't have anything to break free from, you know? And I was, and then like, but I have a friend over here who does, and it'll be good to have Let me learn from my friend. And like, you know, even when I picked the book up, I was like, yeah, I'm like, this'll be like, this'll be good. Like I'm, but then I keep going. Oh, that's me. So you know, tell us a little bit about like what you know as you've walked through you know ministry life, but also have dealt with something that you know has been debilitating in some moments or whatever. However, you want to talk about that. You know, how have you continued to minister through the difficult stuff that you've encountered, and you know, what does that look like for you as you've you know kind of walked that road and continue to do so? Yeah. Well, you know, you asked the question a minute ago. Uh, what's different about college students or eighteen to twenty-five year olds, young adults now than twenty years ago when we started passion? Well, one thing that is definitely different is the anxiety meter has gone off the chart. Mm -hmm. And we can thank uh, social media and the constriction of the global conversation for that. Mm -hmm. So if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worried about my dad who's sick, well, I'm going to probably grab my phone and find out there was just an earthquake in Venezuela. Yeah. And so that's not going to help me settle down and mm-hmm. be more calm. And there's a war that just started over here. And my friend just posted that they're out to dinner with the people I don't like anymore. Mm. And now it's just all a firestorm of comparison, which is divisive. Yeah. And that's, you know, in the in the Bible, when Jesus said, cast all your cares on me, mm-hmm. he was really saying, cast your anxiety on me. And the Greek word for anxiety means to tear apart, mm-hmm. to divide. 
So we have to fight against the things that are pulling us apart inside. Mm. And I think social media has created a new generation of 18 to 25 year olds, way different than what we had in the old day. But I've talked a lot over the last few years about falling into a hole of anxiety and depression. People who are listening to us right now identify with that. They know what that feels like. You don't know where it came from. You don't know how you got in it half the time. Mm -hmm. And and sadly, you don't even know how you got out of it sometimes. But I know I woke up in the middle of the night and I had probably what would be called a panic attack or an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. now. I think back in the day, it was probably called a nervous breakdown. Mm. And you don't ever hear that word used anymore because it's pejorative. Mm. And we don't like to use pejorative words that make us feel bad anymore. So it's a panic disorder. I think I had a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly why. There were a lot of factors for it. My mom had a debilitating disease at that time that ended up taking her life. Um, The global economy melted down. We planted a local church. That'll Mm -hmm. put you under. Yeah. Uh, Shelly had a herniated disc in her back on another continent uh, at the end of a long run with Passion Tour around the world. And three or four other things were going on all at one time. Mm -hmm. But it might have been something else deep down underneath. Who knows? Yeah. But I fell down into the darkness, into into a pit where I thought I was losing my mind. I literally legitimately thought I was going crazy Mm. and that I would never be normal again. Yeah. And it was a long stretch, several months being out of commission, didn't go to work, didn't go to dinner with friends, didn't go anywhere yeah. except to the doctor, mm-hmm. different doctors, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of doctors. <laughs> and I talk about that because uh, people need to know, A, that Christians fall into depression and anxiety. Yeah, It's kind of taboo sometimes to say out loud, hey, I'm stuck in a hole of depression. People say, well, you should read your Bible more. Right. You should pray more. <laughs> you should just <laughs> trust God more. And those are all true things, yeah. but it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And I want to give people hope that whatever hole you're in, whatever giant you're up against, whatever depression you are in, that Jesus is greater. And I don't minimize, um, Mary Margaret, it's important not to minimize people's giants. Mm -hmm. There is no one-size-fits-all Band-Aid for anxiety, depression, panic, fear, stress, worry, whatever the cousin is in your world. But it's important for people to remember that Jesus is bigger than whatever giant they're facing today. Absolutely. And and that's where I love that you, and throughout the book, just use such a variety of examples of stories of just how, how it looks different for every single one of us. And that there's that Jesus is the remedy that he is, he is the answer and that there are helps that we can find along the way. And, um, you know, ways that we can, you know, through, through help from doctors, from, from counselors, from friends, from pastors, from, you know, the people that, that surround us, you know, pointing us to Christ and, and giving us some helps as we do it, that we can, um, you know, make progress and, and put one foot in front of the other. And, um, and it's something that, you know, as I work with teenage girls, I watch all the time that they just, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched a teenager college girl try to post something on social media, but trying to pick a which picture of the 45 that they've taken and then which, like how they're going to phrase the the caption with it and the exact wording that they need. And then they're, you know, the filter. And then it's the, oh gosh, well, within 30 minutes, I didn't get enough likes. So let me just delete this, you know, yeah. because it's it's just causing so much inner anxiety and turmoil and, you know, to, to grades and all of those kind of things that just put stressors on on teenagers, on young adults, on on all of us in a, in mm-hmm. a huge manner of way. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you would, you know, just be bold enough to share your story just to say, hey, you know, this has been me and it is me. And, um, you know, it's part of the way that 
you know, that God has written your story. And, um, and so I'm really grateful that you have, have written about that and, and taught on it, preached on it, podcasts, all that kind of stuff to share. Cause it makes, it makes a huge difference. And yeah, well, you know, this is called the marked podcast. And I know that's one of the things that's part of my story now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't say to people, hey, a few years ago, I fell in a hole of depression and anxiety, but I'm great now. Yeah. Life's fine now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ever think about that again. Yeah. I was marked by that. It yeah. was a, a, a cataclysmic event in my life. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm scarred by it. Yeah. And scars are great. Scars mm-hmm. just prove that you're, you got healed. Yeah. You know, scars prove that you made it. Mm-hmm. And I've got scars on my life. In fact, anxiety is still in my story. So we're sitting in downtown Nashville right now. Mm-hmm. Well, my anxiety isn't in this room right now, but it's probably over. And if people knew Nashville very well, it's probably over in Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. It's it's down the road. And when it comes my way, the difference is I know what it is. Yeah, I know it's not going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not crazy. Yeah. And I know how to deal with it. I know how to how to fight it better mm-hmm. now. And, you know, I went to the Valley of Allah a few months ago. Mm. It's a real place Yeah, where David fought Goliath. Mm-hmm. It's a real place. This guy has got his crops planted right down in the middle of the valley. And Gosh. I went there and stood there and looked up on the hillside on one and on the hillside the other. Mm-hmm. I yelled at the top of my lungs because I wanted to know, is it real that Goliath could walk out here? Mm. So I just went, hey! <laughs> and just reverberating mm. down the valley. My voice just went racing down the hillside. And yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, it really happened. It really happened that a whole army could hear one man's voice yeah. in the middle of this valley. And when we went to that story, we didn't go and try to write giants into the story. Mm-hmm. We just looked and let the giants emerge from the story. Mm. And the giant of fear is the number one giant in the story of David and Goliath. Yeah. And so we talk about fear, anxiety, but we also talk about a few of the other giants that were in that story, mm-hmm. like the giant of comfort. Mm-hmm. If you got a little brother bringing you snacks yep. and resupplying <laughs> you every few weeks, why do you want to go get your eyes ripped out yeah. by a nine and a half foot giant? You're just mm-hmm. going to stay on the hillside. We talked about the giant of anger, the giant of rejection, which is a big one for all of us, yeah. the giant of addiction. And so we all have different giants. The, mm-hmm. the thing that we're trying to help people see in Goliath Must Fall is, is that we're not David in this story. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of a left turn for some people. Yeah. But Jesus is the hero of this story. Mm-hmm. He's bigger than our giants and he's taken them all down. And we can walk in the power of that every single day. And I mean, I'm thinking about all these young ladies listening to us right now or older ladies or all the women listening to us right now. We have a God in heaven who's telling us right now how precious how beautiful, Mm -hmm. how valuable, how desirable, how gifted we are. Mm -hmm. We are woven fearfully and wonderfully by the God of all creation. Mm -hmm. And we are on a grace path redeemed by him, set in motion to do extraordinary things in his power for his glory. And he's telling us that every way he knows how. He has scars in his hands and feet that are proving to us how valuable we are yeah. to God. and But instead we say, well, I'm going to look at my screen again and let it tell me how valuable I am. And I'm sure many people said it, but I, Lecrae said it the way I remember it the most. He said, if we live for people's approval, we will die by their rejection. Mm. And fortunately, when you look at the cross, you only have one side of that story, which is God approved of me, desired yeah. me, wanted me, invited me. And we've got to keep our eyes on that. And that's how simple this is. I think I am marked by anxiety, but I also want to be marked by the cross of yeah. Christ for real. Mm-hmm. I want to be marked by the fact that I am chosen. I am holy. 
I am adopted. I am a son of Almighty God. And really quickly, I did a Bible study last year for the U.S. women's Olympic swimming team before they flew to Rio. Mm -hmm. They were training in Atlanta, and we had a small Bible study moment. I didn't know who most of them were. I didn't know who the newcomers were, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know who the multiple gold medal winners were in the group. I just all of a sudden walked in the room at the invitation of one of these swimmers, and there were a bunch of women in there coming (laughs) from swim practice. And I said, here's the thing, ladies, when you get on the block Mm -hmm. in Rio and you're crouched down on that block waiting for that little beep before you head into the water, Mm -hmm. I said, I hope you look down on that block and can see that it says on the block accepted by God. Mm -hmm. Not it says at the other end of the pool accepted by God if you get here Mm -hmm. in the right time. But you are swimming from acceptance not for acceptance. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to go swim your rear end off, I yeah. told them, because their coaches were in the room too. <laughs> yes. I said, but go swim your rear end off because you're accepted, not so that you will be accepted. Mm-hmm. And we all have that choice every morning when we wake up. We yeah. can start our day from acceptance, not for acceptance. And that's all based on the cross of Jesus. Amen. That's so good. And, you know, I think there's something that all of us can grab in there of just hearing somebody remind you today, you know, of who you are and how God sees you and just that he, that is already, you know, where you find yourself. And we have to daily remind ourselves that, that he, he is that one. And he is the, often we become the loudest voices like you've talked about. And, you know, to tell ourselves those things. And, and he is the one who wants to speak truth over it. And I'd love to ask you to just, you know, you and Shelly have been married for how long now? 31 years 31 coming years. up on 32. That's awesome. I love it. And you know, just <laughs> wow. that, I know that's, that's an accomplishment you know, like in our day and age. That's, that's huge. And I think that's, you know, something that for those of us who haven't been married that long, or maybe those who are a little bit ahead of you guys, that's, it's, it's saying like there is, there have been some battles hard fought, you know, over 31, almost 32 years, I'm yeah. sure. And you know, how have, y'all, you know, through um, just the work that you guys have done, the ministry that God's called you to, you know, been, um, how have y'all continued to work in and pour into your marriage? Um, so it will continue. So it has continued to grow over the years. Yeah. I think three words come to mind. Intended. We intended to do that. Mm-hmm. We have contended to do that. Mm-hmm. And we always set to do it together. Yeah. And we, when we got married, um, we did something really weird. I don't know why, probably because she was marrying me. The reason why we've been married 32 years, by the way, very simple. That's mm-hmm. because Shelly's amazing. <laughs> so that's the simple answer. Mm-hmm. But when we got married, instead of us having our backs to the crowd and the pastor facing the audience, which is normal, mm-hmm. we had our faces to the crowd and mm-hmm. the pastor had his back to the crowd. Yeah. It was a big wedding in Houston, a lot of Shelly's family and friends. And we, uh, we were looking at the people. And our, I'll never forget it. We were holding hands and we were saying under our breath to each other, as much as we were saying in the vows, Jesus, we want our lives to count for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe we didn't have that phrase yet, that passion phrase, for your glory. Yeah. But we were saying, standing there as two kids, we want our lives to count for you. That mm-hmm. is the number one reason we were getting married today. Mm-hmm. So we intended to do that. Yeah. But we've contended for some things. Mm-hmm. And marriage for everyone is a fight. Yeah. Um, literally a fight occasionally. <laughs> but... It is a fight for what you intended and what God intended. But I think the best thing we've done and the gift of God is we've done it together Mm -hmm. and we don't have separate lives. I don't go to work every day and she stays home with the kids. I don't have a a job in this field and she has a job in that field. Um, We are in it 
together. And yeah. even if, if a couple's listening to this and they do have separate fields that they work in, or one of them is home with the kids more often than the other one, it's an attitude mm-hmm. that says we have a common vision yeah. for our marriage, a common calling on our marriage. And all these years later, I mean, here we all are today. We're at Lifeway together today yeah, because we have a mission together. And I'm a starter. Shelly's a finisher. Mm. I'm a visionary. She's a tactician. Yeah, I'm an ideas guy. She's an execution girl. Mm-hmm. And we are the perfect combination. Without her, I wouldn't have done one thing that anybody would remember yeah. in life because I would have started something and walked away five seconds later. Shelly's like, oh, no, we're going to finish what we started. Yeah. So I think it's it's intention. Mm-hmm. And so, girls, if you're not married yet, uh, you want to find a guy who is, A, all about Jesus, mm-hmm. B, all about Jesus, mm-hmm. C, all about Jesus. Yep. And if he's cute, that's a bonus. Um, <laughs> and hopefully he will be. But you want him to be all about Jesus. Yeah. And you want your lives together to be all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you want him to know that you're desirable because of Jesus, valuable because of Jesus, mm-hmm. that you are awesome because of Jesus, yeah. that you are the person you are because of Jesus. And if he doesn't tell you that, then you need to say goodbye to him in about five seconds mm-hmm. and, and trust God's going to bring you somebody who is going to value you the way God does, but who more than that is going to say, we are going to change the world together mm-hmm. in Jesus name. It is not about the picket fence yep. and a two car garage and the cat and the dog on the porch mm-hmm. and the three perfect kids and the portrait and the retirement and blah, blah, blah. This is not what God put us on earth for. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I've, I've, yes, is my response. <laughs> I, I agree. And so once again, he's got to love Jesus. Yeah, B, love Jesus. Love Jesus mm-hmm. C, love Jesus. And Very if he doesn't important. love Jesus, then thank him for coming by and, uh, and tell him to come back when he loves Jesus. Yes. See ya. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good word. And I think it's so easy right now. I've got several like younger girls in my life that I'm thinking of in particular who are just in in the dating scene and trying to figure it out. And it's watching them navigate those conversations. And, you know, and I've, you know, navigated, you know, myself over the last few years, just trying to go, Lord, like, what does this look like? That is, that is the one thing, like when I put my head on my pillow at night, like I know my husband loves Jesus mm. and, and our, our walks with the Lord look different and are the way that we go about learning looks different and all of that. But like, he loves Jesus and he loves me because he loves Jesus. And, and I'm grateful for that. And um, so that's, those are wise words. And one last question I wanted to ask you um, just that I was thinking about earlier um, is what, I know you do interviews a lot. I'm sure you have conversations similar to this, you know, on a fairly regular basis, but is there ever some question that you're like, I wonder if they're going to ask me this, that nobody ever asks you <laughs> that now you would be bold enough to tell us like, or just, you know, like, is there something that like you don't ever get asked? You're like, I'm surprised nobody ever asked me that. Like, is there anything? I have been asked, I think every question that you can possibly be asked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of the crazy ones that you're like, really, you want to ask me that? Yeah. Um, and I've been asked some really complicated questions and I've been asked some personal questions I don't really want to talk about, yeah. but I don't think I've ever walked away from a good interview like this one, mm-hmm. a good podcast like with you, where we're having a meaningful conversation that I really do believe is helping and encouraging people, mm-hmm. certainly is encouraging me. And even what you said to your mom about speaking at the nursing home, I'm going to be thinking about that probably a month from now. Mm-hmm. So when people like you are are leading in a great way, I never walk away and say, wow, I wonder why they didn't ask me this or that, mm-hmm. because it's always been helpful and meaningful. And 
I don't really know what I would ask me either. Probably, you know, (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much just for talking today and sharing some of your story and Shelly's story and just what God has done and is continuing to do. And, you know, I'm grateful for, for your ministry and it's impacted my life. And so, um, you know, just praying for you guys as you continue to do, to do your thing. Well, thanks for having me on and, you know, find a guy that loves Jesus, uh, telling me we don't accept texts here. You'll have to actually come and have a conversation with me in person Yes, and tell me how much you love Jesus. I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) It's been great though. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening today. Um, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you and that you have found yourself um, in the midst of one of these stories today um, where you can connect better with who the Lord is and how he's created you to be and just a reminder of how he sees you. And so um, wherever it is that you're listening from today, I pray that you would would just really let that sink in and let the truth of, of what we've heard today sink in. So we will link to Louie's book um, in the show notes today. Go to lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast and you'll be able to find all that information. And so we will see you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Margaret C and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag MarkPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We'll see you next time.